Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm, and today I have a conversation that's a little bit sticky. I'm talking to Shannon Rohr Phillips, and Shannon is an influencer in the world who deals with race, who deals with gender, who deals with empowerment, who is in a mixed race relationship living in the South. She's got all kinds of incredible background and incredible insight into what we need to do as a country and a group and people and communities to actually come together. Hear that word, to actually come together. Not just to point fingers, not to blame, not to make things other people's fault, but to actually come together. So while this is an uncomfortable conversation, there were times when I was a little bit squirmy. I hope you listen to it with an open heart and an open mind. This is a powerful, powerful woman and a very important conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon Rohr Phillips. Shannon Rohr Phillips, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. I've been ever since we had our first like intro call, I was like, oh boy, okay, let's do this. I'm excited. Oh, well, first of all, thank you. I am so honored to be here. I'm thrilled. And like you said, the the connection was so authentic. Thanks to our mutual friend, Kene, that introduced us. So I'm here and super excited. Beautiful. For people who don't know who you are in the world, I know this is like a super American thing to do. Can you give us like your one minute pitch of I'm this person and this is what I'm fucking shit up in the world doing? Oh, God, I love that. And I'm also so happy I can drop an F-bomb on this podcast. Oh, please, 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 please. That's beautiful. So I'm a social entrepreneur. My career has been all about doing diversity work in different spaces in education and healthcare. And now I'm in this women in business sector. So I speak and I produce events that have a social impact. Mm, Beautiful. What drove you to this or what inspired you to take this path as opposed to any other? So let's see, the quick story is, and this is why I think, Traver, I'm so intrigued with the work you're leading. As a child, I kind of knew social work, healing, um, advocacy was was gonna be the lane I wanted to live in, right? So okay. I uh, went to college, went, got my master's in social work, and I was just one of those individuals that was really drawn towards working with people through pain and suffering. I, mm. I learned a ton about myself in my 20s as a trauma social worker. Oh, and wow. I was like on the front line. So my 20s was like urban social work in Baltimore and DC, hardcore death dying, trauma calls at 2 a.m. And wow. here's what I loved about that work. I loved how real it was. Mm. I loved the team approach, working with doctors and chaplains. Mm. And what I also loved was the human spirit would show me these moments of grace and fortitude that kind of blew me away. I mean, I, yeah. I was a privileged kid. Right. So I grew up in, in Maine and this journey in my 20s to large urban medical settings and learning 
just, it was really a phenomenal experience. And I honestly think that laid the foundation for the work that I did in the decades beyond. But, the, but I, was, I was drawn to social work early on, even in high school, volunteering, big brother, big sister, mm. wanted to understand why the world that I grew up in mm-hmm. didn't look the same across town or across yeah. races. So anyhow, gender and kind of racial diversity and community diversity has always been something really that's been intriguing to me. Yeah, fascinating. And I imagine this year has brought a number of those factors back to light for everybody, but for you specifically, is that the case? It is. It's the case. So the other thing that's really influenced my journey is my, um, so I'm married, my husband's Jamaican-American, so we're a mixed couple. We're raising two biracial teenagers. And Neil and I, for the past decade, uh, created a school together down here called Visible Men Academy. Um, all boys school, charter school, predominantly for low-income boys. And so that is still the charge that Neil leads to this day. I transitioned out a couple years ago to focus more on some gender equity work, as I mentioned. But, you know, truthfully, when I think about, like, the state of the world right now with the pandemic and all the economic challenges, and certainly for our family, um, all the racial tensions that got brought up, it's really been... It's been challenging, Um, and yet, Neil and I both feel like, gosh, we're called to this work to be unifiers. We're called to this space. You know, he does a lot of speaking around black male achievement, but I I created a training program called Bridge Builders because Mm. I thought, I wonder if, if I could show folks that you know, there's there's a lot we need to learn as white people, right, mm-hmm. about gaining compassion and insight into communities of color. But there's also a lot that Neil speaks on as a black man, building a, ch- a charter school and finding these really beautiful and somewhat unusual allies, right? Mm-hmm. Like the white Christian group down here in the South that's, that's buying books for our students. And mm-hmm. so Neil and I have had the blessing of seeing um, communities that defy like the boxes come together for good. And so now we're fired up about it because we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These narratives aren't how real, most of real America actually can and does um, come together in unique ways. So, So anyhow, that's been a huge area of focus for me is looking at how do we navigate what I think you and I would obviously call a very painful time in history for sure. Uh, with like that racial lens. And also for me, uh, even more these days, I'm looking at it from like, what's the call to action for women? Like, yeah. how, how are we all going to show up mm. kind of broken down from all the stuff the world keeps throwing at us? Sure, sure, sure. Let's stay on the racial line for a minute, if yeah. you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a rare opportunity to speak to someone in a, uh, a mixed couple. Yeah. What, what was the hardest part of navigating, I imagine, just the racial uh, things that came to light this year rather than just a pandemic? Like, yeah. what, what was most challenging in your home, if I can ask? Sure. No, I, I totally appreciate that question because um, I think the truth that I, I like to share is that I don't think white America understands the depth of the pain in the black mm. experience. And so when we would, Neil and I would literally stay up all night after watching the George Floyd protests and after watching 
communities um, that have been so kind of historically and systematically oppressed just through their voices and their marching and sometimes through terrible choices that became violent. But it was pain. That was mm. pain. They felt mm -hmm. invisible. Mm -hmm. And so I think for Neil and I, we felt it ourselves. We, we feel the very concrete truth that, you know, when Neil is pulled over for a taillight being out and I'm not in the car, he fears for his life. So right. I'm like the white buffer. But I've also had my white privilege card swiped one time down here where we had um, a pretty overtly racist experience where a guy with all the Confederate and white privilege or white power flags tried to, you know, drive us off the road and the babies were in the back. And so mm. that was my first, oh, he wants us dead because we're a brown family, we're a mixed family, you're a black yeah. man. with, And so, so Neil and I, through our time together, and I've learned through social work and through being married to a black man, like the injustices are so consistent that a lot of black people have just had to learn how to navigate in, within their own community. Mm -hmm. And that's just a lot of trauma. It's, yeah. it's at the depth of it, truthfully, it made us sad mm. and angry yeah. that, but then we also had to work through that and say, but what can we do about it? We're, we're called to this work. How do we, so Neil's been focusing more in that black male achievement, um, supporting black men on their journey. Yeah. And I've been trying to call to, again, just raising the awareness. So forget all the political crap and forget how it all got spun. Yeah. The truth is that we as white people need to love our black and brown brothers and sisters and recognize mm -hmm. that there's just too many areas that they're not treated equally. Um, and yet, the one thing we will both say is, but also don't see them as victims because mm. there is resiliency. And I think you would get this and strength in the black and brown community for sure. Because they've been so oppressed yeah. that we all are attracted to. We can learn from it's joyful. It's faith based. Um, but we have to deal with the truth of what have how poorly they've been treated. Yeah, Shannon, how do, thank you for sharing that, uh, especially the personal stuff. How do you see that? fine line and how do you recommend people navigate this without getting sucked into the political drama yeah. uh, I, I literally right before coming on here was writing a piece on a buddy of mine when all of this was going on a couple months ago said don't get pulled into a fight that's not yours that's right. and it wasn't don't care don't advocate don't speak but it was don't get caught up in the machine of the drama that's going to turn you against other people simply by how they think. So how do you navigate or how do you recommend we navigate this? I love that question. I, I actually have, um, I'll try to condense the end of my bridge builder training because I'm very solution focused. So I completely agree there. There for me, the call to action and particularly for white people is to look at how Diversity and inclusion, the spirit of diversity and inclusion is manifested in your home and in your life, mm. literally down to, are you exposing your children to enough ethnic food? Are you watching movies that have black characters and black leads? Are you buying from black owned businesses? Are you able to spend 10 hours a month in a um, area where a systematic, I mean, the way to play the, how do I get rid of systematic racism and oppression is to find the systems, education, healthcare, um, banking and finance and judicial and pick one. 
Mm. and say, okay, well, for my family and my career and my politics or whatever, I care about education. Great. You get your kids to do a closed drive or show up and be a reading buddy. These are anti-racist solutions. Mm. You don't have to flag, put your brag about them. You don't have to report and get like white savior points. Just do that work, right? And that's authentic and the universe will support that. I, I actually think some that got so so kind of obsessed, and it was an interesting for me to watch a lot of white people who were newer to the injustice now become these kind of self-proclaimed anti-racist police. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's, so it got a little crazy. I just say, start in your home, right. start in your heart, start in your community. It's all gotta be local. If, sure. you're, if you're if you're saying all your anti-racist work is overseas or across mm. the country, I think you should. This is the time to do a gut check and be like, wait, what's going on in my kid's school, in my home? How do I show up? And it's, it's actually the smaller steps that are consistent and right. build trust across culture. Mm, beautiful. I, I really appreciate that answer. It was that some of this. I know this. You, you did the talk beforehand, but your talk, Failure and Forgiveness in the New South, the TED Talk. Was that inspired by the same idea of like, hey, you know, you your opening picture is like this multi-ethnic group of yeah. just humans. Yeah. Remember you being like, we all got along. Maybe it was the rum, but we all got right. along. Right. Okay. So so here's the <laughs> came out in like um, 2019 before mm-hmm. the world turned itself on its head in early 2020. And my intention with my TED talk was to basically shine the light on this kind of mixed race journey Neil and I have been on this failure and forgiveness and professional things, our intentions as do-gooders, that even in that space, and especially in that space, when you fail, it's hard. Like you wear Mm. it on your face, right? And yet I wanted to reveal some of what I call the dumpster fire lessons that are just relevant to us all. And I particularly wanted to highlight some assets from the South that I don't think get enough recognition, which is um, certainly as it relates to um, historical injustice around race, slavery, that the South has a lot to still reckon with. Yeah. However, what I wanted to show people was that illustration I just gave you, that we have this interesting merging of class and culture and race in the South, especially in Florida, where I Mm. live, um, that kind of defies these, you know, anti-racist um, PC type of categories. And for right. Neil and I and our kids, we love it. I mean, our biracial kids are going fishing in pickups, wearing camo one weekend. The next weekend, they're in like urban Tampa. We really have it all, and and we love it. And and if there's more fluidity for us mm. in many ways. Yeah. Um, and so then the other piece about the TED Talk that I closed on um, was just how, for me, the legacy now is how to find impact in female leadership. So women mm. in the South, I mean, we've got such range. You've got like women in Appalachia. You've got the trailer park culture. You've got yeah. bikers. Latina community is huge down here. You just got a little bit of everything. And so I find the beauty of the tapestry of women holding these communities together to be not just Mm -hmm. um, beautiful, but also full of enormous potential. There's a lot to learn down here. And I'm still a student. I'm learning every day. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of being in such a unique area. 
uh, I had the privilege of, I grew up in Japan and went to primary school. So fifth grade to 10th grade in a school that was represented by 90 different countries. And so it didn't make sense to me to not have a buddy from Pakistan, a buddy from Korea, a buddy from Africa, a buddy from yeah. Uganda, a buddy from London, a buddy from, it was like, I can't remember coming back to the US and like, oh, this is weird. Everybody is kind of the same. And then it took years, it almost probably took decades to realize how much of an imprint that left on me. Okay. Remember that this isn't the real world. That wasn't the real world, especially not, it wasn't America. Yes. In America, it is very isolated. Again, because I, I, I have you in, in such a unique position. What are some of the what were some of the conversations, if you're open to sharing, yeah. that you had with your kids yeah. that to have biracial kids in the midst of what seemed right. like um, you know, racial upheaval in the US? Right. So so part of it, and you can probably appreciate this. I mean, our kids, my sons are 15 and 12, and so they live on their devices. Right. So they consume a lot yeah. of they, like so their Snapchat is like the world. Right. So the, the thing that was fascinating and the discussions that were brought to us was like, hey, I'm super pissed off that um, some of my friends who have different political signs in their yards, like are being called racist. Like these mm. are my best friends. Right. right. So. That was interesting to like talk with them about well, what does that feel like and how do you navigate this? I think was for them a real exposure to how politics and race can be really divisive. And yeah, that sure. in our home, we would go back to this truth traver, which is, OK, you come from white people, black people, Republican, Democrat, liberty. We got it all. And yeah. that <laughs> up. So do you want a little grampy? You got a little... Neil's um, uncle Dennis, Dennis Brown was a huge reggae star in Jamaica. Yeah. So you got a little uncle Dennis in there. You guys had dreadlocks as kids. Now you play golf. Like, yeah, you can't throw the Phillips crew in a box. So don't let them. Mm. And that's kind of our default. And our kids get it. You know, they're still navigating. But we just said, if you're if you feel comfortable, you should turn around and say this. This person is a friend of mine. And I don't think he's racist because of who his family's voting for. Right. And, right, right. He, and my family and I welcome him to our dinner table at any time. Beautiful. The threshold for my family is always um, how do people treat you? Right. How kind are they to your heart? For sure. um, and how we don't condone violence in any way, shape or form for people that have different views than us. And so different disagreements. I mean, they grew up in a home where you should see Neil and I when we get into like the War of the Roses, like fem feminism and racism. Like, they're like, oh my God, like, they get it. They know what that looks like and that intensity of, you know, yeah. debate and difference. And so they're sure. okay with it. And here's the good news the kids, even though adolescents and this generation is getting a hellstorm of conflict, mm -hmm. they're going to be okay. Yeah. You know why they're going to be okay, Traver? And I think of you. They're learning um, more about their heart and their mental health right. than you. Um, and this is why I love your movement so much. I think so many men have were groomed in your generation and my husband's to shut down of course. any of this. And, and quite frankly, my kids will say things to me like, mom, that's triggering me or mom. that, And I'm like, 
oh my God, I love this. These are <laughs> hip boys who Such have boys. Yeah. They're, they're like schooling me. Like that's triggering mom or yeah. you're triggered mom. Get, you know, you like they're yeah. using language because a lot of schools these days are teaching social, emotional learning. For you sure. Don't have that. Hell Did you no. hear that growing up? Even oh, overseas? Fuck no. No, 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 no. Right? Don't even, then overseas was not as, it was less emotionally intelligent. Okay. It was more of like yeah. performance, performance, performance. Right. Outcome produce. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Wow, so it sounds like your, your, your kids, God bless them, are like, I, I love the idea of be in this world, but not of it. And it feels like they get to sort of flow back and forth and actually in that middle ground, mm-hmm. see the truth. And we have shifted, it feels like this year into absolutism. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're 1% Republican, you're a Nazi. And right. now, now it's, it's like you're all with me or you're all against well, you're me. All against me, period. Yeah, and people brutal. lost friendships over this and lost. For sure. I mean, isn't it? It's been hard to see that part. It's been heartbreaking because yeah. of the divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And what's been challenging on my end is not to punch back against divisiveness in the name of unity or in the name of right. justice. And it's like, no, 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 no. You guys are part of the problem here. Please stop doing that. Okay, let's switch over to gender. Uh, gender. I know you have this beautiful uh, Voice and Visibility Women's Summit. You are around, like, pushing women to be leaders. Tell me, besides being a obviously very strong and empowered woman yourself, what, what was the seed of this, and, and where do you hope to see it go? Well, thank you. I mean, look, the, the Voice and Visibility Women's Summit for me feels like coming home. It feels like coming home because I'm here like midlife. As I shared in that TED talk, you know, this dumpster fire that I found myself in two years ago, I I had to claw my way out. I, it was also suffering very privately. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women that are leading and somewhat public um, struggle with like, who do I tell that I'm depressed? Oh my God, you know, like right, right, right. how do I manage this and and all, all that I had on my plate? So I've always been a consumer of self-help and, and wellness and just enough therapy to keep me in track, but not too much. I usually like phase out and be like, yeah, I'll talk to you in six months. Not to be dependent on it, but I'm a huge believer in it, right? Because I was trained as a social worker. Sure. So the Voice and Visibility Women's Summit is coming home because it felt like a way for me to convene diverse women Mm. uh, from all backgrounds with the simple mission of like, all right, we're going to empower each other. Let's expand our networks and let's center stories of diverse women. Mm. So I would bring to stage um, women like Abby Wambach last year, right? Soccer legend, badass, equal pay advocate, and Nellie Galan, first Latina, you know, executive of a major television story and I would say get on my stage and I'm going to fill this room with women from nonprofit to bankers really eclectic men I love my guys that showed up to my women's summit and I said and you're going to you're going to um I'm going to design a program where I want to feel your heart I want my guests mm-hmm. to know where your struggle points were but then I also need you to leave us with a like go forth and be awesome charge. Yeah. So that's really what the Voice and Visibility Women's Summit's about. Now, I, I launched this, Traver, a year and a half ago. We rocked it at the first summit. I was so excited last February. I was already on the phone looking at like, okay, which celebrity speaker can I bring in? And I had 400 guests. Now I'm going to do a thousand. 
And I was all ready to rock and roll. And then COVID hit. And it was like, wow, wow, wow. And some full live events, um, mojo that I have really started to craft, which I love. I bring in performing arts, music, and dance. It was done. Yeah. So like everybody else, for those couple of months, I was like, oh, my God, how do I do this? And so the short truth is that we just decided we can't abandon this mission. Mm. Women are getting their ass kicked through COVID, mm. particularly diverse women. Um, let's do all of our productions online. Let's make them free for a while. And let's imagine uh, how a virtual summit would look. And so that's what we did. And now this February 9th, we'll produce the second Voice and Visibility Women's Summit, which I welcome every and all of your listeners to join us. Thank you. It's going to be a day of... Um, of like regaining our voice and our strength and our collective um, kind of intention to unify and go higher. Beautiful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I, I need to tell you my interviewer flag just went up a yeah. minute ago when you said, women are getting their asses kicked by COVID, especially diverse women. Will you please yeah. expand upon that a bit? Okay, so here's what we know. So the pay gap thing is still super real, right? So women make 80, 80 cents on the dollar. White women make 80 cents on the dollar to men. Women of color, Black, Latinx, and Indigenous women make literally 50 to 60 cents on the dollar. So when you look at COVID, number one, health disparities. Too many Black and brown people with COVID are having horrible health outcomes. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of them didn't have access to great care. Some of them had pre-existing conditions, but their mortality rates higher. So this means that our black and brown sisters are burying family members. So they're mm -hmm. grieving. Number two, the numbers of minority businesses that have had to go under has been disproportionately high. Couple reasons again, maybe they didn't have investment capital. Maybe they didn't have a runway to build on. Maybe they were operating in areas that were um, shut down entirely. So all their business, you know, their foot traffic is shut down. Yeah. But so when I look at that effect, um, and then many that are still juggling great professions, but their schools are shut down and now they're right. trying to homeschool their kids, which is what I had to do, which was almost hysterical last spring, trying to run my business, homeschool my kids. Um, and so, and then also don't forget, which I need the men to hear, we were like tripling down on our domestic obligations. So women started to like bubble up with, holy shit, how many more dishes and, and short cooked meals do I have to do? So mm. on every level, women financially, health, um, domestic labor was going up. So women have been kind of like raising the flag, like yowza, this is <clears throat> overwhelming. Mm. And yet, I know women are strong and capable of pulling it all through. And I, I thread the stories of resiliency through my social work days into the work I do now with women in business saying, no, 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 I've seen it all. We're capable of even bigger dumpster fires than this. So now let's get tactical, mm. right? And this is where I would love women. And I, I have speakers this year that are, are kind of, um, amplifying this message, I would like us to get really tactical on like, what's the plan? What's the strategy? Mm. Um, so women, in contrast to what I hear you talk about with some of your men's stuff, women are pretty good at swimming in pain. Mm. We need to get better at holding on to our pursuit of power. For sure.
Hey folks, hoping you're loving this conversation with Shannon. I got so much out of this and I want to make a plea to the men listening to this. You guys, if you are not part of the uncivilized nation, you are falling behind. Let me just say it that way. There are men who are growing, healing, and moving forward together and creating communities of like-minded men just like them. So if you want to be a leader in the new evolution of masculinity, get in this group. I'm telling you, there are now live groups all over the world, but the main focus is coming back here in the nation. So go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation and start your journey of uncivilizing yourself. See you there. Okay, back to Shannon. Yeah, I I think it might have been after our conversation originally where I said that's the juxtaposition, that men are brilliant at weaving and overweaving power yep. yet if we stick our pinky toe in the pain pool we go running back to the addiction house and like oh no no fuck that shit we don't want to yes. feel pain yes and, and yet there are enti- you know so there are, i run workshops mm-hmm. teaching men how to deal with pain and there are workshops dealing teaching women how to step into their power bingo and that's bingo. yeah that's where the i think the swap needs to happen culturally How do you see navigating this fine line between, I'm just going to, this is going to sound obtuse and I'll fuck it, of looking at women as victims and, and, and honoring the actual situation that they're going through. Right. How does, how do my male audience go? Okay, cool. Uh, I'm struggling too. I'm having to do a fuck ton of stuff at home. I lost my job. I'm dealing with X and I want to have empathy that's supportive and not diminutive or not role casting as a victim narrative. I love it because I I believe in the work that I've done in my own therapy and the work that I did when I used to work with clients more directly. This is the ultimate call for women. Do you want your victimization, which is very real? We've all got a Me Too story. I've got Mm -hmm. several. I choose not to share them. Do you want your Me Too story, the fact that you've gotten passed on a couple too many promotions because of your gender, you've had too many old dudes flirt with you and demean you or refuse to call you doctor so-and-so? Yeah. Okay, do you want that to be your kind of, your your billboard? Like, oh, I know who she is. She's got this injustice, this injustice, and this injustice. Or do you want that injustice which sucks to fuel you to be like, oh, and this is where I talk a lot about women leaning into their power and money. Mm. Why don't you make your own money? Why don't we look at taking all that victim shit and flipping the script, Mm. right? So first women have to buy into that because these partners and these men that are listening, the way they can support their woman is like wherever she is on that journey, Mm. right? So they may be in a place where it's like, gosh, I see that she's totally in this victim pool, mm. but it's da- it's a little bit delicate for me to call right. it out. So right. I would do the opposite. I would double down on all of the empathy because women do need more of that invalidation. Yes, you have been working so much. Oh my gosh, you have been doing so much cooking and and, and don't even throw in the, yeah, but I do the dishes part, just, just validate. Mm. And then find that thread, that narrative, that example of how that woman in your life has, has been such a badass and be like, 
I just need you to know I'm in awe of you. Mm. Like women love compliments. Tell us, sure. tell us how awesome we are. <laughs> Even if you think that I may go stand on that podium at the summit and look like I'm like fierce, rah-rah. Oh, no, no, no. I come home and I'm like, okay, give me, give me some sugar. Like I need it, right? I'm like my poor husband. I'm like I need to crank up the compliments. Like we've been married for 20 years. I'm like, oh no, you need to you need to dial it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, We're so gonna play a little game here. You're gonna I'm, tell me five things that are amazing about you, and I'm gonna go to bed. Yeah. I'm gonna go to bed, and then tomorrow I'll go back at it. But just fill up my tank. We do need our tanks fill like a yeah. lot emotionally. Yeah. That. We give out so much, we need it replenished. Sure. So fill the woman's emotional tank. She needs to work on filling her own. And then she needs to come to her own decision point. And power and money, maybe they're not relevant for everyone, but I tell people, be a leader in whatever sphere you're operating in. If you're a homemaker, do you, do you have enough leadership voice in those domestic discussions? Do you, mm. Can you sit down and be like, here's the tasks of running the home. I'm doing 70%, you're doing 30. Can we have a meeting and reconstruct this? Yeah. I just want to get tactical. Um, and I think I think men supporting women in that can go a really long way. But I also feel that women have an obligation to respect how hard men have it too. Mm. I think the women's movement has been kind of mean to guys. Sure. As a, and that makes me disappointed. I, I think right. there's a bunch of assholes out there, don't get me wrong. But I think most time. men have really good hearts and souls. And you yeah. guys have been, talk about socialization in boxes. You've been um, unable to live part of your authentic, in my opinion, like your human emotionality. And that's oh, not yeah. okay. It's not, you know, I, I often bring up, people ask like, well, how did we get here? And I was like, well, yeah. for my dad's generation, these were 18, 19 year old boys, let's call them, even though we yeah. call them men. Who were given a decision go to vietnam and kill people or go to jail like yeah. go to fucking prison I mean, like, and on. that was how many years ago that was 50 right. years ago like it's still right. in the generation you know one of my favorite teachers in the world is michaela bohm and right. she, we're not related yeah. and she says the number one thing missing in relationship is generosity and that just like you said, coming home and just saying like, wow, I see how hard you're working. Even if I've pulled an 18 hour day, yes. come home and just say like, wow, I see how hard you're working. Yeah. And if you and, watch and people, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say the challenge I see in couples and my best friend's a couples therapist. So she's, she's on my shoulder all the time. <laughs> she's like, stop keeping score. For sure. Because, and and I, I do it. But give that generosity to your point, even in your mind where you're like, whoa, the scale is tipped, but I'm going to yeah. double down on her yet again, because that's usually when you need it. And vice versa with men, we we're, we need to be able to really um, check in and figure out what you need. But you guys got to do the work to tell us what you need. And that's what I see you doing. I don't think a lot of guys know what they really need. Do you? They don't. And it's it's because, and I have another question for you after yeah. this. It's because the, that muscle hasn't been developed. Right. So if no one asks you how you're doing for 20 years and then someone asks you how you're doing, it's kind of an odd question. I agree. So if no one asks you what you need, like, what do you need right now? I've asked so many men this, Shannon, right. and they just stare at me. I know they don't know. or They don't say, know. I've seen it in your social. They'll say, I'm fine. And I used, I tell my boys, like, that's not okay. That's, that's like... um. That's a dangerous answer for me. I'd rather you say I'm terrible. For sure. I'm sad. I'm mad. Yep. I'm jealous. Come up with something in your. I'm furious. It, I'm raging. I can handle, I'm rageful. I yeah. hate everything. Um, 
I like real emotionality, but if you just give me like, I'm fine, I have nothing to operate with. And a lot of women who have a deep connection to emotionality in that space we have, that's like a door closer for us. Yeah, and it's a lie. Yeah. I'd also be like, because uh, I, I always love, uh, my buddy Adam Cobb taught me this, and he used to nail this, nail me on this. He'd be like, so you're fine and? And I'd yes. be like, fuck, okay. Yeah. I'm fine and I'm worried about my finances. My business isn't going well. This girl's mad at me. My parents are then like, he's like, oh, so you're really not fine. You're really like, not that fine. Oh. You don't even have to say you're fine. Right. I mean, wouldn't it be so liberating if we could all just be honest with that? I mean, especially maybe that's one undercurrent of this disaster with COVID that like no one can really be all that fine. I mean, <laughs> the CEO of Target, the CEO of Clorox is fine. Their, their assets have just Bezos is doing okay. Like yeah, a couple yeah. of them are actually fine. I'll yeah. take fine from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of us? Yeah. Are we fine? Shannon, yeah. I want to circle back to your advice to women. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask this question from the place yeah. of someone who engages with women 90% of the day who say, I just want a guy to lead. I just want my male husband, partner, boyfriend to yeah. run shit at home. Yeah. And yet here, so I'm curious for the for women who are following me and are in that ilk yeah. and then listen to what sounds like, and I know we're using spiritualized terms, but like women step into your masculine more. Yeah. How do you reconcile those two with women who are like, I'm actually fucking sick of running things. I'm sick of having the conversations. I'm sick of bringing up the conversations. I want him to step into the leadership role. Yeah. Okay, I love that question because here's where I think many of us who I can call myself an alpha woman, right? We're, we're, we're um, aggressive in some areas of our life, right? Very achievement focused, pursuing, et cetera, but it is exhausting. And so I think the central there is just communicate with your man, communicate with your partner. And, and I, no spoiler alert, but I am working on a book that comes up with a few practical exercises and it's all around communication. It's all around um, what do I want and need? And then I, as much as I'm all about this women's self-love thing, I don't think we can, like, we can't just, you know, self-love our way out of this. We, we need love from partners and friends. And, and so to your question, it's all about like that communication. And I think women have to be strong enough to be vulnerable again. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can be anything from hey, I kind of want to take the lead on this part of our home. But let me tell you, in the romantic space, like, have, like take the reins, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's switch some stuff up here. Sure, like, sure, I don't sure. want to be in this dominant position all the time. Um, but, and, and so it's getting really clear on communication. Mm -hmm. There's the romantic sphere. There's the financial sphere. There's the right. domestic. And then there's also the other part that Neil and I are always working on, which is like the joy bucket. Like, what are we doing that a lot of times celebrates your passions going, we used to go to NBA games and, yeah. sport, and then for me, I love going to the theater. Okay. It's not my husband's thing. He doesn't love musicals, but right. he sees how jazzed up I get where I'm like, we're going to go to Chicago. And he's like, yes, right. Or like, he'll get tickets. Like that is freaking gold. Yeah. So, so learning what your partner what fires them up in all these different quadrants? Mm. And then like, just act. I think we get really paralyzed and 
the self-talk around I'm disappointing her again or like, right, no, right, just right, try right. shit. That's what my whole failure and forgiveness theme. I yeah. want people to try shit and apologize mm. instead of psyching themselves out of trying anything. And that can be in their marriage and their work and their parenting. Just try stuff. Right. And then have the conversation after and don't try things with the expectation that, wow, I wasn't a psychic. Yes. Fuck. I've absolutely failed here. I will never I try again. Up. I yeah. fucked it up and I'll try it again. And, and that humility and like the forgiveness cycle for me mm. is where the glue stays. Right. And I, and I, that's taken me a lifetime to work on in some yeah. Areas I'm easier at forgiving than others because I'm a really stubborn woman. But that, <laughs> you know, like I, I, yeah, it's hard. Someone's like, yeah. you're, you're like a forgiveness queen now. I'm like, well, you know. But I had to work on forgiving myself and and being authentic and showing up. And so, I think for your listeners that are trying so hard, which I I really admire and love it actually, is community you're building of people who want to show up for each other yeah. in relationships, um, communication, try stuff, try again. And then you yeah. know this other truth, Traver, also know when to walk away. Ooh, Definitely know when to that. walk away. Like when things really aren't fixable or yeah. workable. Like that's a hard truth, but it it is a truth. For sure. I get asked that question yeah. all the time of, you know, should I leave my marriage? Should I, when, when should I ask? I'm like, I do not know. That's right. And when hope, when you've tried everything and hope is lost, then yeah. have one more conversation and then perhaps it is time to go. Yep. I, I think one of the things to circle back on uh, with people trying is in every partnership I'm in or have been in, if the outcome wasn't great, I still celebrate the fact that my partner tried. I, I think that. so many men, especially go, okay, what I just learned from this experience is trying and failing is bad. So therefore I will not try again. And then they shut down and they shut the door. And it's like, well, I tried to have the conversation. It didn't go well. I'm never having the, we're we're such all in people, especially in relationship where it's like, I was emotionally vulnerable. It didn't work. This is, you know, December 15th, 2020. (laughs) I will never do it again. Seven more years. In seven years, I might give it a go, but that is <laughs> lockbox back on. Fuck it. And I agree. That's like, no, don't do it. Like, sit with that. And this is back to your brave journey. Sit with that yucky discomfort mm. just for a little bit, maybe a couple hours a day. Write it in a journal. Yeah. But don't give up because that's where the gold is. And um, and again, so when I I think about like empowering people and women, it's like, it's gotta, it's gotta come from within. And even mm. before like the self love, I talk about, you gotta like yourself. Do you yeah. like yourself? Let's, let's really talk about how men and women and how we were all socially groomed, our family of origin, our culture. We've all received messages of less than in different ways and what you were supposed to be. And we've all, we've all disappointed those messages. Mm-hmm. And so some of the work is to really work on your story, right? Mm-hmm. Like how were you raised? What were your messages? What did you apparently succeed at with that set of norms? Where right. did you fail? And here's the, the best news of all. Where do you want to write the next chapter? Because you do have the pen now that you're right. a grown up. Right. But it's, that's, that's even an enlightened view. Like so many people, literally, when I ask them, do you look in the mirror and say, I like this person? They say, no, I know. And and then they're signing up to like, but I want to be a King. 
or mm-hmm. I, I want to be a goddess. And you're like, well, like, start with just likability and like are you proud of yourself? Are you, yes. do, do you enjoy your own company? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we as a culture, I, I'm, I'm asking you this as like, I'm putting the cultural expert hat on you. Okay. Where do we as a culture begin to start to heal ourselves so that we can heal these disparate relationships we have gender wise, racial wise, socioeconomic wise, where does this all start? I actually, I love that question because I really believe it starts with each of us today in a blank piece of paper with here's the stuff that I have shame and blame about. This is what I carry on my shoulders. I have shame and blame. We must each identify where the messaging and shame and blame and hurt is that is contributing to our dislike of self, right? And we, if nothing else, that's just step one. X, you know, this relationship with my childhood, this trauma from my childhood, this failure, this message of humiliation, this bankruptcy, whatever the hell it is, just dump it onto the paper. And then the next piece, again, tactical, Shannon, is like, well, what, what's good? Like, can you tell me five things you like about yourself? And you can even start exercise. I like ice cream. I like the way I look in my brown boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how the mailman likes to talk to me every day when I meet mm-hmm. him out there. I like how my dog looks like it, it's got to be the little stuff and just keep building. And I want them to practice the list of the shame and the blame and the shitty stuff that's happened in their life. Mm-hmm. It's very real. It must be honored. But the other list of things that bring their spirit joy Things that bring, and you and I talk about this, nature. Yeah. Go out and, and find yourself and lose yourself on a beach. For me, it's Florida. For you, it's the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, find how beautiful it feels to have your body you know, swimming in salt water or breathing mm-hmm. in mountain air. And forgive yourself for the shame and the blame and the relationships you've broken or the businesses that went upside down. But just also find, and for me, this is a very spiritual traitor, like find that essence, that light that sustains you mm. and try to connect with it. And by the way, not all of us can do that journey alone. That's where your class is, mental health. I'm not suggesting people can go out and just snap their hands. Quite the opposite. I'm a right. huge believer in building community around healing, sure. which is why I think you and I are so connected because I... I, but I do want people to just start the process. Go buy a 99 cent journal at the journal at the dollar store and be like my shit yeah. show dumpster fire page and my I kind of like this stuff. And then maybe the last page is here's what I'm aspiring to, right? Ooh. That here's my secret part that I never really gave voice to. I want to be a Broadway star. By the way, that's mm. me. I want to uh, someday. I told my kids, go off to college. I'm going to Broadway in my 60s. Um, but like, write it down, right? Okay, so maybe I've loved Chicago my whole life because I want to be up there dancing in jazz hands. I don't care what it is. Maybe you want to be a poet. Maybe you want to go train horses. But like, what's the fantasy? And just start, you know, I, I do, I, I'm a huge believer in, in that voice, finding that voice within yeah. that has the pain, but also has the spark. And then finding folks around you that can help you build towards the strength and like yourself first. Because like you said, we've got a lot of people running a lot of things in this world that I don't even think like themselves. A hundred percent. And in the, in the coaching space, I yeah. see a lot of people who are like, oh, you've just monetized your own pathology. That's <laughs> 
Like, wow, right. this is fascinating. Instead uh-huh. of doing the work, you just sell the fact that you don't need to do the work. Uh, wow, right. how yeah. amazing. What what role do you say? And for that's a beautiful explanation. I think it's it's brilliant. Uh, I remember when COVID first hit and I was a little frustrated with the spiritual community who was all like, yay, now everybody's going to get to work on their shadows and everybody's Mm going to get faced with their shit. And Mm -hmm. suddenly we'll transpose the skill on how to navigate all that on people who have no idea how to navigate it. Just like taking a bunch of non-swimmers and throwing them in the deep end of a pool and being like, yay, everybody's going to learn how to swim when most people drown. I agree. What do you do you speak on with the role of grief and all of this and grieving? Do you feel that's an, a, an essential element or we get to move beyond that? It is an essential element. And so part of what you were just describing, gosh, I really can relate to that. You know, I feel like people in our, in our industry are, are sometimes missing the steps, right? So liking, liking yourself, but I'm also very practical, especially with women. Um, how are you getting your bills paid this month? Do you need to sell shit? Do you need to like, so let's keep them, let's keep the ship afloat while we're doing the work. Um, And then as it relates to grief, gosh, I just think um, we all have stories of grief, right? Mm -hmm. We all kind of need to grieve. Obviously people we've lost, ideas that we've lost, relationships that we've lost and most present grief is, um, it's very, very real. And so this is where, I think this culture in America that's just busy, go, 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 produce, right. uh, especially the circle that I've run in, like I get very concerned that we don't have time to grieve, like the right. deaths in our family, the deaths of ideas, et cetera. Yeah. And so part of why I see so much resilience in communities of color um, and particularly in the black community, there's such an overabundance of grief mm. uh, but they're also so connected to their faith and to their rituals of grief. I, I think, um, and quite frankly, even when I was a social worker in California, I, I learned a ton from the Mexican-American community out there and their, their traditions around grief. I think we have a lot to learn, particularly white Anglos, with grieving, like yeah. letting those feelings, sadness, pain, letting it come out, falling out where we need to, naming it, and certainly not stuffing it away. So if, if nothing else, kind of existentially, COVID and the state of the world right now, it's like, you know, make sense of, of what you've lost. And yet, and again, find some guidance, whether that's mm. a traditional, you know, religious organization or a different spiritual path is just for every individual to decide for themselves, but find something. Yeah, we we are a bit of a, it feels like progress has taken over as our new religion. And it doesn't really, progress bypasses the heart. It's like, oh, you you don't feel good? Tough shit. Are you producing? Oh, you're sad? Well, cool. Here's a five minute break. Go figure your shit out and come back so you can go to work. Uh, how do you speak to people about reconnecting to that deeper place within them, women specific, sure. specifically, or sure. communities of color, or even us sure. white dudes? Yeah. Um, how do you get us to do this? By the way, I love my beautiful white dudes. I tell folks, like, <laughs> I, I love my white dudes. I, I worry about my white dudes, but all of us, white dudes, white women, brown women, mixed kids, you know, so honestly, 
I feel like nature, stillness, and movement. Those are kind of my recipes. So five days a week, I have to be in nature for 90 minutes, period. And I have to be alone. I, I, if someone asked me to go do a walk together, it's lovely, but it's not part of my spiritual and mental and heart yeah. anchoring. So I just think we all, if as we're able to move our bodies um, and get out into any type of fresh air or natural setting, I really believe Mother Nature wants us there. Mm. Don't you agree? Right? 100%. Like, like Mother Nature wants us to come to her and to look at like the animal kingdom and to look at the seasons and to look at how um, the lessons we can learn from ourselves. So I, I think connecting sure. with nature, connecting with one another, when we're most depressed, and this is what I learned through my dumpster fire, I just, I shut everybody out. And I was just as um, wrote with, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm just so busy, right? Like this is women's code for I'm a fucking mess. I'm so busy, <laughs> can't return your calls, can't show up to any of your stuff. I'm just so busy. Yeah. And I think um, I just want people, it took me getting sick to have to be like, oh God, I, I'm a mess, right? I don't want that to happen to other people, but if there's illness presenting in your life or huge toxicity in some form, almost try to say, well, it's here for a reason, right? And, and maybe there's a thread, maybe maybe it's completely random, right? And some acts of toxicity just have, we're completely out of our control, sure. but then others, we need to start looking at patterns and reflecting hmm. um, with people we trust. And so trying to build, I don't know, I'm kind of all over the place with this response, but trying to build both that solitude time and that interconnection and people around you. And, and like we talked about, just stop saying you're fine when you're not, it's okay. Yeah. We've all been not fine. Yeah. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for all of this, for your time, for your energy, for everything you've shared. If people are interested, people who are interested in finding out more about you, your summit, all the things that you're doing in the world, where do you hang out? Where can people find you? Give us a So I would love them to, to hang out with me. So I hang out. So the Voice Invisibility Women's Summit.com, all sorts of information about our speakers and tickets and all that fun stuff. And then for my um, independent projects, ShannonRoarPhillips.com. And, you know, I've got the social handles on there. But yeah, I love building community with like-minded truth tellers. So I really mm. want to thank you for this, this time together today. It was really cool. Truly my pleasure. I look forward to having many, many more spirited conversations with you in the future. Me too. Awesome. Beautiful. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for coming. You too. In. Thank you. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.